Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. And for Father's Day, we, the three of us, got to sit and chat about rugby, which is what we're about to do right now. I'm Tim, and there is Phil. Hello, Tim. How do you, Phil? And JB. Hello, 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 Tim. Now, you used to always go to me first, and then Phil, and it's kind of thrown me off my stride a bit. <laughs> Purely, I was going clockwise as I look at it on my computer screen, because we are remotely recording this. I just went, just, it felt, I was top right, Phil's bottom centre, your top left. I was about to say, hello, Tim, and then I had to stop myself, and then regather myself, get another breath. I, I apologise. Sounds tough. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, well, anyway, ha- uh, happy Father's Day all. Yeah, we've got an incredible amount to talk about. There's, there's loads of rugby stories. There's loads of rugby controversies. There's loads of rugby actually being played. Well, relatively, there's two games have been played, which is still loads. And, um, yep. But, but where I want to start with is on the, an update on where we're at with rugby a bit closer to home. Now, I believe, Phil, there's a, there's a penciled-in date for the Pro 14 to return now. There is. I read last week that they were targeting the 22nd of August, so the week after the Premiership are targeting... Um, so in, in two months' time, we could have two full-fledged Northern Hemisphere competitions back to normal or the, back to the new normal, whatever that looks like with um, no crowds, crowd noise, social distancing, subs on the bench, but then no social distancing as soon as they get on the pitch like the farce that is football at the moment, which just looks ridiculous. But yeah, we, we are returning to normal. And we also saw Premiership clubs this week uh, returning to training. Yes, we did. To see. Yes, we did. Now, um, is the Pro 14 going to resume the competition or are they starting afresh? What's the chat? Uh, I don't know because, um, I mean, one thing that would be very difficult will be the um, Cheetahs and the Southern Kings um, joining <sighs> in the competition. And, and also just the fact that you've got, obviously, the UK... Ireland and Italy and South Africa, um, which all have varying stages of uh, social distancing, quarantine, um, stopping flights uh, and domestic well, travel and international travel. I mean, obviously, I'm originally from Wales. Well, my family live in North Wales. I still could not travel to North Wales to see them, despite it being, what, 60, 80 to 60 miles to go where I need to go. I can't, well, I'm not supposed to cross the border. So, yeah, even those, te- even those discrepancies within the UK sound pretty difficult. Mm. Yeah, 
exactly. Um, so yeah, we it's it's working its way back. I think the finer details and all that because logistically it is more difficult than going from say I don't know Leicester to Northampton. That's a lot easier than going from I don't it's know Ulster, Ulster to um, Bloemfontein. Bloemfontein. Yeah, slightly more difficult. <laughs> The irony being that the only games that would get a crowd might be the only games that can happen but won't be able to have a crowd. Yes. Yeah, yeah. the derbies. God, it's miserable, isn't it? There you go. <laughs> but, um, I mean, it's, it looks like one thing that is dead in the water is a, a change to the Northern Hemisphere global season in terms of club rugby because it appears like the English and French clubs have said, absolutely no way. Are we doing that? That seems to be the response, particularly from the top 14. And it's rumoured that the premiership clubs are, are much the same, which would suggest that then we might see a season resume in the middle of August, finish by end of October, and then a new season start in December and run right through to J- July when the Lions are also scheduled to be touring. Yeah, th- this is just going to be absolute chaos. How they finish all the fixtures and, and resume next year's fixtures. But bearing in mind, money is so important for rugby because they are not wealthy organisations in the first place. And particularly now, given the fact that no one's had any revenue for the last four months and are unlikely to get the full revenue return, well, this calendar year at least. Hmm. Oh dear. Oh dear. Yeah. We've also got no date, official date for the Premiership to restart either. Have we? Not official, no. 15th of August, as Phil mentioned, is the, is the scheduled date. Yeah, it's targeted. But that is contingent on the, all the clubs satisfactorily moving through the various different stages. And how are they going to not move through the stages? Uh, if there was, say, uh, a big outbreak in one club, something like that. If they can't organise the testing that they're happy with for yeah. players... So I don't know what's what's going on there, if anything, because that, that, there's a financial cost involved in that, probably quite a significant one, I would wager. Yeah, I think the testing is significant. And um, I have seen some videos and pictures of various clubs doing the, the testing, the swab testing as players turned up at the ground. Um, and then, so that's, that's the more expensive side of it. The easier side is the thermal um, temperature testing as you enter, but that's not infallible. Um, but I wonder if this hesitancy to release the dates of the kickoff or the starting weekend is the fact that they've not finalised the situation with the players yet. Potentially, yeah. I, I think that's one of the many stumbling blocks. <laughs> yeah, it probably and, is one of, and, one of many. And a little addition to what we spoke about on last week's podcast, probably worth mentioning now, which is that the let's just go back a few weeks. The clubs unanimously decided to bring in a new lower salary cap to mitigate for the current situation and also preserve the integrity of the league, which was brought into disrepute through Saracens. And as far as I can tell, any club that managed to rush through new contracts for their players, and for example, Sale Sharks made made a statement saying, I think Wednesday last week, one day before the deadline, they, they made a statement saying all their players have renegotiated reduced wage contracts. Mm, how, how, mu- how much reduced, we don't exactly know. But the point being, any contract that was signed before last Thursday, the 18th of June, uh, for the next however many years, three years, I think, only, yeah. seven, only 75% of that contract counts towards the salary cap, meaning... 
that any club who re-signed their players on new deals could spend exactly what they were spending before, but be under the new lower salary caps. Does that make sense? It, it does to me. I think the position might be a bit, bit more nuanced on that and more about sales shocks directly in a minute. But I'm sort of with you on this, which is it's not a good look. One of the things you can obviously do here would be to say, okay, go and grab yourself a senior player, someone that you like a lot and you think is very, very valuable to your club. Say, we're going to have to give you a pay cut because everyone else is going to get one. But you're on £250,000. You're a very expensive guy. You can go on 225. And if you accept that right now, we'll give you a long-term deal right now and you're guaranteed for four years. So, you know, that's what a lot of clubs, I imagine, might be looking for. Okay? So I can kind of... I can understand why this has been put in place. I understand why those other clubs have moved to sign their, long, their players long-term. Ultimately, clubs only want what's best for the club. That's not the same as the player. And they want to win things and need to keep, keep the best players. The, the other side of this is maybe to get underneath that cap. The people that are going to suffer are the guys who are not going to get the longer deals because they're going to have to renegotiate when there's a lot less cap space available. So if I've got a £100,000 contract, I've accepted the reduction down to 75000 but that original contract was written I don't know, two or three months ago. Does that mean that that contract reduced by, 75, uh, by 25% when we forward that is reduced by another 25%? So I, 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 think, I think there'd be two separate things on that point. You'd have yeah. the, the, there was the temporary reduction, which as I understood it, it was intended to be temporary reductions, yeah. which were signed in March, April time. These ones are basically, the, the players are effectively signing to rip up that old contract and replace yeah. it with the new one, which says, whatever it says, it might say um, 75K, it might say 50K instead of 100K for some of the players. And, and JB, and JB, just to, just to take your example, I'm going to say, um, there you go, you had a £100,000 contract. You, you know the situation, JB, I'm really sorry, we're having to ask everyone to do this. That temporary seven, uh, drop is now permanent. We can offer you £75,000 if you sign it in the next 24 hours. This is some of the tactics that's been rumoured to be being used. <clears throat> Absolutely, it is. So uh, there you go. You got twenty four hours. The, the the offers off the table unless you sign it. Um, re- reduce uh, salary seventy five thousand pounds. But then I, I get that signed from you, and I get it back, and then I hand it to our accounts team, our salary cap manager. Actually, we've taken a hundred thousand pound player last season, and now only sixty two thousand or something like that is. It, we, we've we've had a thirty eight percent reduction in the salary. So there, there there could be clubs if they've been savvy that could have more cap space, not yes. less. Yeah, and that, that's the bit. So, like, we, we, we've spoken a couple of times now about one of the key strands of the Lord Miners report was about um, transparency, fairness, openness, and the PRL and the clubs operating in a manner that demonstrates that they're competent and that they are doing everything above board, which is not exactly how they've always done things in the past. And that was what Lord Miners set out was like fundamental principles for operating the league and the salary cap. And you think the clubs would read that and think, right, yeah, let's, let's adhere to that. And they just, just again, they, they almost can't help themselves. And from, from my side, like looking at this, it's, it's so frustrating because they're actually harming the product. They're harming the public's perception of the product that they're putting out, which actually for the short term games of, um, creating a loophole and fudging the salary cap, in my mind, there's a a high risk of long-term harm to the value of their product. 
And I can only imagine what CVC are looking at, at this and thinking. Yeah. So I'm going to defend it in a way, I think. I think. <laughs> I, I would say this, which is there's a lot of teams out there who are not, uh, I say a lot of teams, there's a few teams who are not in favour of reducing the salary. Sorry, there are a lot of players out there, certainly who are not in favour of, of reducing it for obvious all, reasons. All of them, I would imagine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Pretty, well, I mean, there are some guys, if you speak to them, that are like, well, you know, um, if it makes the game more sustainable, I mean, it's very magnanimous, but that's not how they should be thinking. You know, um, the, the only, the, Just on that, the only guys I can think who might be willing to accept it would be someone who's, say, 33, 34, is coming to the end of their last deal and they're offered a, here's your 25% pay cut, but we'll put another two years on your deal. That's those, exactly. Those guys, crack on. Everyone else is like, no, let's not do it. But ultimately, they still have to honour their contracts. And this is quite a nice little mechanism for someone like Bristol to say, look, we've got Kyle Sinclair and we've got Semi Radrada and these boys need to be paid. We've made a commitment. We can afford the commitment. We, sh- we shouldn't have to say no and we shouldn't need to you know, get rid of these players just because, for instance, I'm not saying it is Worcester, but maybe Worcester can't afford theirs. I think that is, perf- that is perfectly okay. Well, it, the maths doesn't quite work out perfectly, but let's say there had been an overall reduction of the salary cap by 25%. It's actually slightly less than that, the reduction. But you could re-sign everyone on, on exactly the same deal, but only count 75% of their contracts. So, so none of the players' salaries count, but then some clubs can operate within their means. But the, yeah. the bit that I don't get is you could do that anyway. As in... Worcester can spend three million on their salaries if they want and be sustainable. You don't have to put this loophole in to allow other clubs to quite fudge, uh, fudge their way around it. Yeah, it, and that's the thing. That this the, the only counting seventy five percent was meant to mitigate the fact that um, Steve Lansdowne has made some significant investment in players like Semi Radrada and Sale in uh, Lou Diaga, etc. And that, that was meant to go, all right, well, yeah, we can't, it wouldn't be fair to stitch you up having just signed a deal with them. But to then take that, the intended mitigation of that and use it as a loophole to get your entire squad, 75% of what you're paying them counted as salary cap. If clubs have done that. Farcical. It's just from my side, it's not a good look. Oh, but on the other hand, if you're a salary cap manager and I'm an owner, and you did not come to me with this solution, I would fire you. Yeah, uh, but, then, but then, as, we say, as we've said before, and as I'm sure we'll say again, this is what happens when uh, you have people s- setting their own rules and marking their own homework. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that. It's hardly drawn up, isn't it? Because when, yeah. you, when you say, for instance, you can do X, Y, Z to help ABC, and someone looks at that and goes, how do we put this into our favour? Well, then, you know, you've got, you've got a loophole. And... They probably drew up the inten- the, the uh, rules with the best of intentions, but you know that's just what happens. Yeah, it does. It, it is what happens when you put big loopholes in there. Yes, quite. Um, uh, did, did either of you see the other um, salary cap story this week from across the water? Montpellier, yeah, yeah. Dis- disguising it was the word I saw. Put some flesh on the bones. I don't know what happened. So. We're kind of aware of the detail. It's actually only a couple of weeks ago we were musing about whatever happened to Johan Usen. So yeah. in 2017, he was one of the highest paid players in the Pro 14, uh, Pro 14, I... top top 14. 
Yeah, right, rightly so, because he's a very talented player, can play right across the back line. Um, he can kick, he can do a bit of everything. Anyway, he retired from one of the biggest contracts in the top 14 at Racing 92 to go and manage a cattle ranch in South Africa. It must be an incredible cattle ranch. Sorry, can I just stop you there, Phil? Because yeah. or in the commercial world, you know, you know the you know the price of the pr- price of a pint of milk, and in fact, if you're ordering mul- multiple multiple crates of milk, you'd know the price directly, uh, and you'd also order it. So here's my question: If in your industry, someone was on Johan Usen's salary, what kind of role would they have? <laughs> and um, then, it, I, I mean, in a multi-billion pound um, construction company, you'd be talking CEO, like it, it'd be top dog. <laughs> multi-billion, <laughs> multi-billion pound <laughs> construction company that is. <laughs> okay, so do you think then Johan Usen left the top four, uh, the top fourteen, with all of his experience in agriculture, to join a multi-billion pound agricultural firm as CEO? As the, at, at 24 or 25 years old. Yeah. <laughs> it, um, it doesn't sound likely. And, and that appears to be what has been found out by the um, <laughs> top 14 salary cap investigation that's been going on over the last few years. You want a hell of an investigation. It, it does appear to be a hell of an investigation. And it's, it's referencing so, like unnamed bank accounts in Hong Kong and Switzerland where wow. funds have been transferred wow. uh, from party to party to party to make, uh, well, to buy cattle at inflated prices. No way. For, for funds to then be pushed on to, um, to Johan Usen is what's being alleged. Now, he well- has been milking it. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, bet the top 14 has got beef with him now. <laughs> Come on, JB. Come on. You're quite good at puns. I feel awful. <laughs> I mean, someone must rate him bloody highly to make him one of the highest paid. Well, Racing made him the highest paid player in or France. One, yeah, one of the highest paid players in France. Which is high, which is very, very good, right? Someone else wanted to, like, if, there is a, if there's a player who's already the highest paid player, in my opinion, it's not worth going after that player. You know, there's an opportunity cost. You could probably get another one somewhere else, right? Okay, but they decided to do it. But not only did they decide to pay him more than what he was on, on his new contract in Racing, they also thought he was valuable enough to take him out of the game for a year, set up an elaborate system of inflated beef buying, and then bring him back. Uh, you know, after a year out of the game. I mean, they must really rate him, or this must be one of the most stupid stories in history. It, it, it could be both. I think both. It, it, it sounds yeah. like both. It, it really does, because everything you, you said is exactly right. And then one of the other things was, in, in the um, report that I read, um, his alleged salary when he was back at Montpellier was only €15,000 which is obviously not market rate for the top, one of the top paid players in the league. And also one of the world's best uh, agriculture CEOs. <laughs> wow. So, well, well, well. So France are at it as well. Uh, yeah. Um, and that, I mean, this, this one, if, if there was any doubt over like, the intent behind the Saracens' salary cap, and w- whichever side you're on, you, you either think... Uh, Nigel Ray was masterminding it and doing it all deliberately, or you think he was just a bit naive. Whichever side you fall on that, 
this, there is almost, if those facts that I've read are correct, there is no, you can never give uh, Altrad or whoever set this up as part of his organization, you can never give them the benefit of the doubt with, with that series of events. I know it's not a popular view, right? I just think, like, how much must these guys love the game? I mean, I love the game. I love, enough, I love it enough to sit down with you three and chat. I don't know if I, know, I love it enough to be funneling my own cash to these guys. <laughs> I mean, they must really love it. I, just in, in terms of the banking fees to set up, like, opaque, faceless accounts in Hong Kong and Switzerland. I mean, Ultra might have them set up already, but just to use that, those kind of facilities... That's got to be quite expensive, surely. The, the potential damage to your reputation. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. Well, uh, all all of these stories, I think, are gonna are gonna run. So we will. I'm not. I've no doubt. Revisit them. But in terms of rugby, I'm I'm ashamed to say, I didn't watch either of the Aotearoa games this oh, weekend. This is a, this is why we had our pre-podcast meeting, right? I, no, no. I get- tell me, tell me about the Crusaders because I haven't seen them play. I've seen the other teams play. Okay, I think, uh, very quick take on this, Crusaders' second-best team in the competition. Really? Behind, yeah. It's, behind, behind the, the Blues? I, I mean, you know, that's obviously painting by numbers a little bit because Blues have got two wins. Um, I think that they're the only team with two, two wins. Uh, looking at the Blues, and we'll come back to them in a second, I just like them, you know, more... They're a more, not rounded team, they seem to be playing a bit more of a muscular style. And there's quite a lot to like about the Crusaders. Um, I particularly like some of the stuff they, they do in defence. On the other hand, maybe the Crusaders game and how they won it today had more to do with Hurricanes being absolutely, not inept, but reckless. Your beloved Canes. Phil, what's going on? Yeah. I mean, it, it didn't start particularly well, did it, JB? Um 30 seconds in, Hurricanes get a line out, miss the jumper, uh, and less mm. than a minute in, what a, what a sensational try that was to start the game. I mean, that yeah. was some finish. Through about 15 separate pairs of hands and you went 60 metres. I saw the highlights of that. Yeah, that was God. awesome. But loads that, of forwards got... loads of forwards involved in that as well. Yeah, because it, it worked back to the wing yeah. where the line out had been. So it was it was a right mixed bag of who was involved in it, but some serious serious skills on show. But all came from a a Canes mistake. I just think that the Canes as an organisation at the moment, the way that not as an organisation, but as a team, the way that they're playing, they throw caution to the wind when you know there is no need to. Uh, Vince also did not need to throw that ball forward out the back door, and they've got wonderful attack um, attacking position. Uh, whoever the winger was, who decided that it was critical to offload in the own in his own corner, about five meters out, to an oncoming, uh, un- oncoming Crusaders player. I mean, that was the easiest try I've ever seen. Easiest yeah. try. It's just absolute lunacy. And then there's things like their decision making. They decide to go for the corner. So uh, I'll, uh, I'll set the scene. There's a penalty. Canes uh, look up, go for the corner don't quite execute too well. Uh, the ball comes down, they play it across the back line, something happens, another penalty. And a yellow card. The Canes don't back themselves again. So obviously they think the first the first uh, penalty that they took was the wrong decision. Don't back themselves, go for the stick, score the three points. But they should have really backed themselves and gone for the other corner. Yeah. and uh, I mean, that... Um... 
leadership and decision making, losing someone like Bowden Barrett, um, and maybe not having the the experienced decision maker as a fly half. So like um Garden Baytrop, Batrop. Yeah. Um who who's been around for a few years but has never ever been the main man. Um like he's not the one telling Vince also to throw it out the back door. No, no. He actually might have. In fact, it might have actually been him that tried to keep the ball in. I can't remember. Um, but the point is, it's something it's in the DNA of maybe it's like the hangover from from Chris Boyd because they do like to play from all angles. But it's sort of it's about weighing up the risk and knowing can you do it, not being completely and utterly reckless. And that's where I think Hurricanes really let themselves down. And and they were they were trying to do it against. Like your perception based on the two weeks, um, the second best team in the competition, I can tell you for the last four years, Crusaders have been by far the best com- team, in, not just in, in New Zealand, but they've been the ba- best team in the whole competition. Yeah, the only reason I say second best is because they've only been out there for one game. Yeah. And, they, you know, if Hurricanes have t- had tightened up, this is actually a much closer game than, you know, than then I'm giving it credit for. Uh, but it, but they did okay. I mean, they um, they won. You can see, like, the basis of their defence. You can see the basis of their uh, of, of their set-piece piece, uh, a defence, too. They're, they're, not, they're not bad, and they're one game in. <laughs> they're not bad. Um, what about the Blues? Because the Blues, for the last few years, have been the worst team in New Zealand. And now, they're looking class. Yeah, I like them. I like them because, like I said before, they're m- much more reserved than the than 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 the other teams. They tend to play more sort of pod-based, um, you know, a, a runner with two support runners. They're, they're far more comfortable making short yards than the, the than the other side sides. That said, they do have quite a lot of talent, and when they turn it on, it looks pretty nice. They've got some serious talent in the outside backs. Like serious, serious. That, that, your boy Talaya, to, the two young wingers Talaya and Caleb Clark um, are super. They're awesome, and then obviously Bodie coming through the middle out the back, and Ote Black as well has looked brilliant these two games. Was Bodie stepping in more, uh, more again as a second distributor as well, stepping up into a playmaking role and attack too? Yeah, did did a bit of that. I mean, the, he gave the first so the. I don't know if you've seen their last try, Tim, which Bodie steps into playmaker. He's yes. first receiver. Yes, I and, have seen that. And I, the guy who I thought was man of the match, um, Hoskins Sototu. Sototu, yeah. Who gives... But, he's playing second receiver. Hoskins Sototu as a 21-year-old number eight, whatever he is. He was playing second receiver. The pass he gives to uh, Talea on the Left hand miss arc, two or something, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, it was an incredible pass. It was an absolutely... Like inch perfect. Um, He's a baller, isn't he? Pass. That kid. Yes, Satoto, and he was very good going forward. He was very good in defence. He's got a couple of key turnovers. A try, an assist, oh. a bunch of tackles, and yeah, some good he, carries. He looked class, and I don't know whether he's being talked up for the number eight role in he New must Zealand, be. but then then number eight for the last nine years or so. Kieran Reed retired after the well. I say retired. He left Crusaders, went to Japan, um, presumably retiring, and won't be back for the for the All Blacks now, given his age. This boy 
in a, a few years could be really pushing for it. Well, so Sam Kane's going to be the open side, and then you've got two spots in the back row. You'd think Hardy Surveyor is going to take one of them, so there's mm-hmm. there's one back row spot available. Yeah. Yeah. There's, and they've got a boy, lot of options. They do. But this boy looks good. So, Toto, I like him. Mm. Yeah, and you would have thought Hardy Surveyor would be just the shoe-in for number eight now, for, from now for, until forever, really. But he, the one downside that Hardy Surveyor has, he's fairly lightweight for a number eight. I mean, Ardy can do everything. But what? Like, though he's, I mean, he's not. He's not lighter than 100 kgs. No, it's, no. But he, he might be like 100 between somewhere between 105 and 110 kgs, which, which is the same size as this Satotu. And um, uh, and power is uh, you know mass times acceleration, isn't it? And uh, no, and no. Surve- or is, is that right, Phil? Is that the right equation? It's height times gun width. <laughs> always has been always for, no for, force is ma- force mass. is mass times acceleration yes correct yeah force measured in newtons that's right i remember i remember <laughs> i remember a bit of physics from school as well uh yes um and yeah an rd surveyor makes up for any lack of mass with plenty more acceleration than your average back row yeah he, i'm sure he certainly does um, sh- so rd's listed on the all blacks website as 99 kg he is lightweight then. Yeah. He is. That that is that well, is lightweight for for number eight. The night, well, for any international backpack row, really. Yeah, but he, he's good enough to get away with it. Like mm. like someone like Michael Hooper's probably about the same weight. He he's plays. Good oh yeah, and eight. Well, yeah, but this goes to my actually. What was Ardi Saver? So I always think of him as a as an eight. But but was he a seven? He he's plays across the back row. Yeah, I I think so. I think his his primary position would probably be a seven, but he can play all three. Yeah, because he's so dynamic, he's so quick, and he's so strong. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they had uh, two two Pilotto in in in, uh, in the back row at at times. Hit truck two Pilotto. Yeah, he was at six. And I really like him just carrying and beating people up. Really, really like, him. and he, he spoke really well after the game as well. It's like. Two good wins for for the Blues with him captaining. That that is good because he's been. I mean, we saw him in um, Chicago in 2014. He was really? in like the yeah. He was in like the wider squad then as a. You can't miss player. him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, he didn't. He didn't have the pink hair then. No, <laughs> no. I'm, I meant just the sheer size of the man. He's enormous. He is enormous. Um, but it felt feels like he's been like round and about the All Blacks, but never been able to. He's got the physical attributes to break into the... It's like him and Fafita have kind of been on the fringes, never had an extended run. Yeah. And Vea Fafita, he got dropped unceremoniously a few years ago because there was a rumour that he was he had signed for Exeter Chiefs. Oh, yeah. But he, he, if he had signed like a pre-agreement, it never worked out and never came to anything. So he actually... Wow. He, he, he's had less all-black time than he probably should have done. And that was that's one of the rumours why. I just want your opinion on this. Um, just changing the subject slightly. Um, world class, world class flyhalves playing fullback. Now, is this just to make the team better, or is there something more going on here? It, is this going to be the future where we just see the best player? I always think that your best player, your best back, you need hands on the ball more often or not. Okay, so as many times as you can get that player's hands on. Um, uh, uh, on the ball, the more you do it, the more it, uh, uh, the more it benefits the team. That, that's generally what I think. 
And I think most people kind of agree with that. But maybe it's about having your best player, not with hands on the ball as many times as he can, but more as much time on, on the ball, which is why they're moving Bowden Barrett and Damien McKenzie to 15. Because these two guys, I've seen them both play 10 for the All Blacks. Uh, Damien McKenzie's little cameo for the All Blacks at 10 was phenomenal, I thought. And yet here they are at, at 15. And arguably, both these lads could go over to France or the UK or anywhere, really, get us either a marquee spot or one of the top paid, paid jobs in you know, the, whole, the entire game. And they're playing... They'd, they'd, they'd be on Yuan Usun money if they went to France. Farming money. Farm- Farm- exactly. Farming CEO money. So here they are playing 15. I wonder if this is it's more than just getting your best players on the park. It's about having your best players with more time on the board. And then Are I we seeing this anywhere else? Yes, a little bit. And this is what I thought is Danny Cipriani. How often do you see him and other 10s being moved out of the first receiver slot? Because there's more, there's more space after the first phase. Maybe it's, it's in some way linked to that, which is just get them out of the way so they don't have to do those little, you know, the, the, the rubbishy little pop passes and give them more time elsewhere on the field. Uh, yeah, I, I think... I mean, Bowden has played 15 quite a bit before. It's not like a, a brand new move for him. Um, and I think DMAC as well. I think then. I imagine they're the kind of guys who all through age grades were put in 10 because they were the best player on the park so they can play 10. But when it got to the, the better level, like I think Bowden played 15 in the... I'm sure Bowden was 15 and Anscombe was 10 in the under-20s World Cup in 2011, I want to say. Yeah, Bowden won. Yeah, but then Bowden won World Player of the Year at 10. He did. So it's yeah. not a case of like... And there's someone who's much better. Now, you could argue with the Luunga at 10 that, okay, we would rather have them both than one of them. So, you know, the cost of having one means, you know, the cost of not having one is too great. So we're just going to throw one of them at 15. I, I definitely can see that argument. But I just think with two of the most talented players, maybe on the planet playing 15, there might be more to it. But there are also, um, at that point in time, um, when Bowden was playing 10, you had Ben Smith as basically the best fullback in the world, or second best alongside Israel Folau. Um, yeah, so, Izzy, Izzy, Izzy Dag was around when Bowden was still 10 as well. He was, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, so you had, you had amazing, op- amazing, amazing options. Amazing options, yeah. But the, the fact that both of them, both Bowden and Damien McKenzie, they're quite similar in a lot of their um, attributes. So, they, they, I mean, maybe that's a good thing because you've got two... They're not like for like replacements. They are different, but then Bowden and Damian McKenzie are more similar than say Bowden and Ben Smith, or Bowden and Israel Dag, or Damian McKenzie and Israel Dag. Yeah, so it, maybe I there's guess something in it. It's much easier as well, isn't it, to move a fly half to fullback rather than move a fullback to fly half. But, uh, well, yeah, most most that is true. I'd, I'd probably I'd probably think more of it and read more into it if I thought that Bowden Barrett would have, would have any issue going back to ten after playing fullback. He could play the next two years at fullback and then step in in a World Cup final at fly half for New Zealand and still boss it. So I, I don't. So that, in that not, sense, I don't think it really matters. As long as he's not kicking sticks. Well, yeah, quite. <laughs> yeah, too right. He, he did. He um, slotted a drop goal 
in this, mm. didn't they? Did he? I didn't yeah. see, I didn't see they that. Got, uh, Blues got a penalty late on and he just bang, took the three. And he, got one, and he got one last week as well. Yeah. I did see some stats in, I can't, I can't remember the exact numbers, but there's been five in two games, five drop goals in two games this year. And two years ago, there were five drop goals in however many games there are in a normal uh, 100 games for a normal Super back, Rugby season. Drop goals back. Uh, a quick shout out to my new favourite player. Um, Adam, Adam Thompson, 38-year-old second row, 112 kilograms, still rocking it in Super Rugby. So, so I'll be following him closely because as long as he's playing, I'm not old. <laughs> so Thompson, he played, he was in the 2011 squad, wasn't he? I want to say the World Cup squad in well, 2011. One of the subs came on today and when Adam Thompson started playing senior rugby, that sub was three years old. <laughs> wow. But the absolute boy, Adam Thompson. Shout out to him. Yeah, I'm just, just looking at him now. So yeah, he played All Blacks until 2000. Yeah, member of the World Cup squad in 2011. I thought he was. Good yeah. lad. The best yeah. part about him, he looks 38. It's not, it's, it's, you know, you're not confused. To like what, you know, you're confused as to why he's there, but you're not confused about his age. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, a, a, a little change, but before I do, I just want to say something very exciting is coming. We'll have a date for you very soon, but we are definitely 100% can, can confirm now, as we mentioned at the end of the last podcast, we are going to be doing a Rugby World Cup classic match watch-along where we're going to be sat and, and looking at an old classic match uh, and we, we're going to want you to join us, leave your comments, watch it with us, um, and yeah, get, get a beer or Negroni, sorry, mm. and, um, and come and join us. So I think that's going to be happening in the next, probably in the next two weeks. So um, keep your ears and eyes out for that. We'll give you more information, but it's one of our favourite World Cup matches, um, but it's definitely happening now. So um, we'll, we'll let you know exactly when, once we know. Right, okay. Just, I'm just going to jump us away onto a different topic for a minute because like the, the world's getting embroiled in a culture war. Unfortunately, rugby got mixed up in that, um, for better or worse, for right or wrong. Well, let, well let's discuss that right now. Uh, swing Low, Sweet Chariot, on the chopping block, being considered to maybe be a song that is stopped playing at Twickenham because it could be insensitive uh, or offensive to some. So the RFU have said we should consider its usage what do you think about that, JB? Um, I mean, I don't really care. Uh, it's quite a nice song. Um, I quite enjoy it. I think it's a little, it's quite a nice song. It's quite a stupid song. I think the movements are pretty stupid, but I quite enjoy it after a few beers. I, I, yeah, it's just not something which I think the authorities should be spending any amount of time on whatsoever. And I, I just make a further point, which is I kind of wish that all big organisations would come off Twitter because I guess if they did, none of this would ever, ever happen. One thing I will say, that it was reported as it's being banned. Uh, those headlines certainly are misleading. Uh, the News, RFU... Newspapers um, <laughs> exaggerating headlines for, for clicks and reads. I don't believe it. <laughs> so the RFU are going to review it, which I, I, I don't feel particularly strongly either way. I, I don't love the song. Um, I don't have huge, uh, passionate memories about it, and if not, not really. Partly because the I don't know 
it just doesn't stir something inside me in the same way that, say, the fields of Athenry in um, when you're in Dublin does. I'm not I'm not that passionate about about the song. If people genuinely are upset and offended about it, I, I'd be disappointed and, and sorry to hear that. So let's let's let the RFU's um, review take its take its route, and we'll see what happens from that. Part of me does think, though, in the middle of a global pandemic, when rugby is at its most precarious point that it's been at in years, there is talk of multiple clubs and institutions failing financially and players are taking huge pay cuts. It does feel a little bit like it's slightly misguided to spend any resources on that rather than thinking about how we can actually get back playing. to normal. Yeah, yeah, back to normal, what? players on full salaries and all the rest of it. Once we're playing, once, once everyone's been paid, once you've uh, unfurloughed your staff, once you've done all that stuff and you've solved all the problems, have a look at the songs. Absolutely. Well, this has come up because of a conversation about um, racism in society. It's linked with slavery and stuff. Um, I mean, I, I don't think that even if, even if it were banned from now on, I don't think that would help the cause in 2020 in any way, shape or form. But I think we'd all be agreed that if there's any way we can actually bring about a more equal and fair society, then those are the things we should change. I don't think this would make any difference whatsoever. Uh, however, I'm okay with the conversation being had. And I, I wasn't aware of the full background to the whole song. I've had a look into it. It strikes me not as a song that slaves used to sing. It was written uh, by a freed slave after his emancipation and after the Civil War. It was sung at Woodstock. It was a, a gospel song adopted by the Oklahoma State. The guy was called Wallace Willis, died 1880. And I just imagine for a second, he, he might have a great, great, great grandchild who in Oklahoma, their, their parent might say that your great, great grandfather wrote that song that 85,000 people in Twickenham are singing. It feels celebratory. All I'll say to finish is there are, one, there, there are what some people who tried to ban it in the past. The Nazi party in Germany. <laughs> yeah, so good company to keep, guys. Well done. Yeah, so maybe that's a really good point to the, 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 the early one that perhaps we should, there, there should be a review of this and we should be celebrating it, the rich history of the song and also the, 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 the diverse England, UK and the team that we have at the moment. I, sorry, I, I have to disagree. I have to disagree, right? I do not want to celebrate any song. I, I don't even like music that much. I, <laughs> if, if there is a song and it's catchy, I will sing along to it. If, if it's not, it's not. I do not need to be educated about them. I do not need to know any more information about them. I don't want to celebrate them. I don't want to know who it's offensive to. I don't want to know any of that. I, I have uh, no problems singing uh, st um, stereophonics um, and the problematic relationship they have with burning down trees with matches. I don't want to know any of it. I, I, I don't care. So that well, I, I won't tell you what that song was actually about. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> it only takes a. There, there is a background uh, to that story, um, and it's quite a dark. And funnily enough, it's quite a dark one. But yeah, that's but, a, but the background for me is that's what that's what a little band used to sing just between the Millennium Stadium. And the Cardiff Blues or, or the Car or Cardiff Blues bar, if the little, if people who've been to Cardiff will know exactly exactly what, um, what I mean. And it was bloody brilliant. And that's that's the only thing I need to know about that song. I need to know nothing else. That's it. Oh, yeah, I'll just echo what you just said at the end there. That actually the, the England rugby team is a, is an example of a success story in terms of reaching out into the English communities. Um, you've got 
some guys from poor areas. You've got some guys with no rugby background in their families of mixed race or whatever. Actually, it's, yeah, maybe look at the positive. Let's try and amplify their voices in society a little bit more because they've got great stories to tell, opinions to have, and we can wave a flag rather than, rather than self-flagellate. Uh, sorry, I'll, I'll bite. Tell me about the, the stereophonic song. Uh, a Thousand Trees. Go. Yeah, go on. I don't know. I can't remember the guy's name, but it was written about, I believe, okay, I may be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was written about I, a football coach who was accused of uh, some dodgy behavior. I think you're right, actually, because the whole point is it takes one match. It's a, it, as, it's one. As, in, as in, he could get accused, he got an accusation, and that's it, his life's over. Uh, and that was at the, and so it was written at the time when he was accused, but it was believed that he didn't actually do these things. I think, so, I think subsequent to the song being written, actually he was guilty and found guilty. <laughs> really? <laughs> I think I, I may have that completely wrong. Better. It's definitely not better, but it's better for the story. And that's, and that's what matters. Yeah. I, I apologize if I've got any of that wrong. I apologize to stereophonics more than anything. I, I, that's as I understand it, but I may be wrong. Wow. That, 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 that was an interesting term, which I never saw coming. Yeah. There you go. Uh, talking about amplifying voices, just a very, very quick one on Courtney Laws. If you weren't aware, he, um, he made a comment um, off, off the back of uh, Marcus Rashford's work, changing government policy, and gave another idea of how, as well as a short-term solution to a problem that's obviously dear to Courtney Laws' heart, just as it is to Marcus Rashford's. Courtney Laws suggested what he believed might be a long-term solution was roundly vilified for it, cancelled, if you will, uh, by a lot of very prominent rugby voices as well. I've got to say, anyone who tweets at someone's sponsors or their employer, I don't even care what the situation is now. You're a scumbag. You're just a scumbag. You shouldn't do it. Um, it's, it's the worst behaviour possible. As for Courtney Laws, uh, you know, I agree with him. I agree with almost everything he tweets, but that's, that, that, that's besides the point. Uh, you either... You know, want your players to speak politically or you don't. And you can't just want some because they agree with you and some because they don't. Uh, I think I th- think Courtney Laws is, you know, brilliant. So, uh, simple as that. Yeah. I think, I think Courtney Laws is, is an intelligent man. And exactly, I'd just echo what you just said, JB. Actually, the, the whole point is, do we want to have robots who all say the same thing? You should be able to respectfully disagree with someone. And there seems to be an increasing number of voices. And unfortunately, from some quite prominent rugby positions that are getting increasingly illiberal and chucking names. Don't care about the thing they pretend to care about. It's yeah. far, more, far more one-sided. You know, the fact Courtney is who he is and he has the views that he has is unacceptable to them. I think they probably see him as some sort of traitor more than anything else. Uh, no, I'm, I'm with you. I think, uh, I think Courtney always is a credit to the game. Um, massively happy to have him around. Agreed. Right, let's move on. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Oh, here we go. Let's stick with Northampton, though, because they're going to be doing a, a Last Dance-style documentary. Oh, yeah. Access all areas. Which, by the way, um, I tweeted about this. Who wants to watch Northampton? I mean, well run, uh, good squad. Great shoes. Yeah, good shoes. Everything about them is mundanely good. Uh, Particularly since I've got the new new coaching staff in. They seem to have made all the right decisions continuously. That's pretty dull. Thankfully... Well, we can link this back to Courtney Laws. Courtney Laws exists. So they, they have a reason to make this whole documentary. <laughs> but uh, but go, going back to what we already said about Courtney Laws, yes, they have a reason, but actually, he's, he's not controversial. He's not like Scotty Pippin, is he? He's just, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a family man with, who is a, 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 a model professional yeah, gonna, and, ha, and has some perfectly reasonable views and never... As he's, Never really misbehaved, as far as I can tell. We're going to have to watch, um, I don't know, half an hour to, to an hour every week about Northampton working really hard and being a, good, being a good rugby team. I'm not sure that's what we want. I think we want to watch yeah. or Saracens. But hey, it, it's a, or, or Leicester. Or <laughs> say- the, the, I'd love to see the, Leicester, the Mike Ford presentations from Leicester. Oh my word, Leicester would be bloody brilliant. It'd be dynamite. <laughs> yeah. And the head coach's office, and you can imagine walking down like a corridor and there's going to be three different doors and each one of them has head coach on the, you know, <laughs> one's Jordan Murphy, <laughs> one is Steve Bortick's office, one is uh, Mike Ford's office. <laughs> one final thing from Northampton, they've, they've come up with an idea that they've said to fans, any fans that don't want a, a refund of the remaining part of their season ticket or is it anyone that that buys a season ticket it's one or the other it's anyone that renews their that renews their season ticket anyone that renews their season ticket i think um what can have it there'll be a special commemorative shirt which will have loads of fans names printed on which cool. is it's a cool idea it also means northampton are on the on the lookout for anyone who signs up as hugh jars <laughs> and and stuff like that <laughs> So let's just go through some teams. So the boring teams to follow would be Northampton. Yeah. Exeter. Exeter. No, I don't know about Exeter because I reckon no. that they're away in Devon. They're out, of the, they're out of the gaze of most of those journalists. I reckon they get on it a lot, you know. I get the impression they get on the beers quite a bit. But they're just boringly well. They're just boringly good. Everyone's happy. Yeah, everyone's happy. Everyone, there's going to be no fireworks there. Um, who else is there? Who has been boringly good? I would say Gloucester, maybe. Maybe Bristol, too, now. Bristol might be that well run club that there'll be no drama at. Everyone but, gets what they want. But then Lamb, Lamb's such a likable, I think he's a father figure to a lot of the players. So I think there's a good dynamic from what I've seen in brief snippets because Bristol's um, social stuff is really good. So I'd, yeah, I'd quite I, like to watch some of that. Yeah, but look, I don't watch reality TV for. 
inspiring stories. I won't call it. <laughs> uh, I want to be, uh, I think the Saracens rebuild is obviously, I mean, imagine the camera's been in there, been in there this year. Um, You'd have one at sale just based around dimes. Oh my, a diamond, right? So, I mean, you, you know this because you interviewed the guy and I would say he's probably, and you'll probably agree with this, the best interview, the best interview of, of any of the DORs. Uh, well, I think you'd have to qualify what you mean exactly, but yeah, I, I'd say <laughs> he, he could be the he can be the most box office memorable, uh, entertaining for all types of different reasons, depending on the mood he's in. Absolutely, a hundred percent on that. The mood I mean, he's in. He's a great character to, for the game to have. Yeah, I, I actually think, and he's so unorthodox. He's so different to all the other DORs. That I mean, that would be the. I just can't. The danger is they only get to film when he's in the good mood. Mm. That's the only danger. But other than that, I can't think of a more compelling character to watch. I really. <laughs> I do like the I like the, the idea of the Leicester one, where it's just all falling apart. Like, no one knows their rule. Everyone thinks they've got the top rule. Yeah, yeah. Everyone thinks they're in charge it, to the point that like they're blowing whistles at different times and they're giving the exact same yet opposite instruction. <laughs> there's, there's a good story at London Irish potentially as in they're, they're not expected to do a lot they've got a new ground been through some trouble there's a few redemption stories that you could focus on Quinns uh, could be quite in- interesting as well Quinns yeah now, that, that would be great that would that would be Love Island-esque great <laughs> right Right in the city. I mean, and there's something about Quinns, and I, you know, I don't mean to be disrespectful to their players or whatnot, but I think because of the you know the wealth of the area and you know their status, I think you can develop a bit of an ego at Quinns. That that's just an impression I get. I'm not saying the guys have got egos. I'm just saying it it could be possible. Yeah, uh, they'd be the they'd be the best one. Yeah, but I think Quinns or Leicester would be the the best two, if either of them was coached by Steve Diamond. <laughs> Um, what else is there? Uh, yeah, oh, um, Romania have got a new rugby stadium. Have you yeah. seen it? I saw this. So it looks it, really it, good. It looks really. Bear in mind, we went to Bucharest to watch an international match, and it was it was loads of fun, but it was not state of the art by any means. So it is that ground that they're redeveloping. Yeah. Is that is that actual ground that they've redeveloped with new facilities around it? It, it looks great. It looks really good. Um, they're. From what, what I read, they're, they're building it in like six months as well. So it's not, it's not a long project. I mean, six months to build a stadium is pretty, pretty speedy. Could you do one in six months, Phil? Um, if it's a few thousand people, yep. Could we do a 50,000-seater stadium in six months? Depends, uh, on much, it depends on how much money you've got. Yeah, that's a good point, isn't it? So I'm just looking now at some of these pictures. It does look rather cool. It, it, looks, it looks very cool. Yeah, that, that's great. We, we uh, have to get back out there. It's, it's interesting. Just I'm not wanting to open up the a previous conversation, but um, you know, when when there's a lot of effort being made by unions in the Six Nation to be seen to be inclusive and um, caring about discrimination and all these all these various things but they don't particularly want to be that inclusive of other nations outside the six nations. They don't really want to, um, uh, you know, 
make sure there's less disparity in money going to Pacific Island nations when they come to town or the, the money that they get. There's not, they don't particularly care about um, equality and, and these kind of values. They don't care about them in, in that circumstance. Which, of course, would be a very hard-hitting argument to me if I cared about any of those things, which I don't. So, uh, yeah. I, yeah, fine. Yeah, but, I, I, I mean, I, Dan Leo made a really interesting point. He said, given, given, what, given what you're, uh, what's going on in the world, if, if, if England Rugby really wanted to make a statement that they, they really cared about inequalities and, and some kind of rebalancing, um, maybe... Tongan players getting more than £100 when they come to Twickenham in November. That's Tonga's... Yeah. This, is, this is Tonga's problem. I understand. You know, yeah, this is not the problem of, you know, robbing Joe Marler of his match fee or cutting community coaches or any of those things to pay Tongan players more money is not the answer. The answer argue, is, but, argue, but, but, but I would say that it does tie in with what you said, which is there's a lot you can fix in rugby before you start fixing, fixing things oh. which have no impact on the world of rugby. Completely right. Uh, uh, completely right. I, I just wish Romania the best of luck with their stadium. Yes, agreed. <laughs> what else we got on our list, Phil? There's quite, there's quite, there's a bunch of really good stuff. To, this stuff this week to talk up. We've we've hit most of it. Um, there's a couple of other things. Just some some player news. Uh, it was confirmed last week that um, Chris Robshaw is going to San Diego Legion. Yeah. So that that's um, great move for a great man. Good, yeah, good long-term move for Chris Stay classy, Robshaw. Chris Robshaw. Absolutely. Yep. He'll look oh, great out there. Oh, um, two year. Is it a two-year deal? Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, because he's, what, 34, I want to say? About that. Yep. Good deal. Um, and the other one, which um, apparently Rob Baxter inadvertently um, mentioned this, um, Newcastle Falcons young winger slash fullback slash kicker Josh Hodge, who if either of you watched, uh, Tim, I, I know you did, watch some of the uh, under-20s World Cup last year, he was one of the top performers. He's a tall, very slim. Um, he, he certainly was aged 18 or 19 back in that tournament last year. Yeah. But a very good runner, good distributor, and a phenomenal... I think, I think he was 24 out of 24 kicks in the tournament, which is remarkable. <laughs> And he didn't have um, uh, Dan Parks doing the, the long-range difficult ones for him either. What? <laughs> yeah. And bearing in mind, Exeter, the, the makeup of Exeter Chiefs back three, uh, you've got guys like... Well, Alex Cuthbert's not actually that old, but uh, you've got Jack Knoll, who has, has issues with um, artificial surface, surfaces and is away with England a lot hope, when, when fit. Phil Dolman's coming towards the end. Stuart Hogg will yeah. be away a lot. Um, Ollie Woodburn's getting older approaching his 30s or he might be 30 now so that the age profile is is kind of perfect for Exeter he's because their players are good and going to be away with England or international rugby he's going to get opportunities but um yeah, yeah awesome he's, great he's, it's a great signing great signing there's always the flip cat side of the coin though and Newcastle will be very frustrated mm. to lose him because they've, yeah. they've also lost um Adam Radwan who's a, yeah I think he's wasps I think he's gone to Wasps. Who, who, oh, haven't Wasps signed the other winger from, from there as well? Uh, Kibarigi went last season, Kibirigi, didn't he? Yeah. Lost Rad- yeah. So I am convinced, right, and Wasps have actually denied it to me, but I'm convinced that Wasps' primary motive when signing players is speed. 
I am convinced of that. I think they've sort of unlocked the puzzle a little bit, which is, okay, instead of power, everyone we sign, specifically in the back division, has to have speed. Well, They've got a rapid back line now. Yeah, Radwan is rapid. He is, isn't he? Seriously, seriously quick. Well, they've had Kibirigi, they've had Radwan, and they've had Watson all off Newcastle. I mean, potentially, potentially you might look at it and go, if you were smart, you might go, well, he's a good player, but also not only is it a good player for our squad, it's one less from one of the teams. And if we are having financial issues, maybe if we nick from a, from a team that could be down near the bottom, that could be a smart move. <laughs> but, it, but, but what's fascinating about the, all these new signings um, is, and some others have joined Exeter, Nick White has left and there's a, a couple of other, oh, Johnny Gray's going to be for them. We're going to finish this season, assuming it goes ahead as planned, with all of the new players playing for their new clubs. Oh, weird, eh? Well, yeah, there's um, going to be a bit of fantasy rugby draft uh, training oh, yeah. to be done. Oh, and who's, who's leading fantasy rugby draft? I don't Me? Know. I can't, not can't sure. remember. No, just, just on Radwan, I, I've, I've just checked. So, um, he has... So, according to this, he re-signed for Newcastle um, in January of this year. Oh, great. Um, so that, that is good for Newcastle, albeit losing Hodge. So I'm, I'm sure I saw a rumour of him going to Wasps. Might have been a rumour. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, two-year two deal from January for Radwan, which is... So that is good. That is, um, I guess, it half compensates for losing Josh Hodge. Sonotti and Radwan on the wings still. Pretty tidy. Yeah. yeah. God, Newcastle. Oh, yes. That, that, that was the point. I've just seen his name, so it reminded me. Um wonder how um, Alex Lazowski is feeling after getting out of the salary cap fire of Saracens oh, and yeah. into the salary cap frying pan of Montpellier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and pre- presumably, well, he I'm... wasn't one of the named players. Lazowski wasn't one of the named players on, who benefited from the Saracens deals. And so I presume he's not getting some of that sweet Altrad cattle money in Montpellier uh... either. Do you reckon everyone arrives at Montpellier training now in uh, like Stetson and cowboy boots and just just, just hoping Altrad picks you to be the next form form manager? <laughs> well, they, they better be arriving in like a twenty-five-year-old Ford Fiesta, if, yeah. if because they're they're on fifteen grand according oh. to their official paperwork. Incredible stuff. Uh, Unreal. Oh, Marowitoji looks like he's sticking with Saracens. Yeah, interesting news that he doesn't need to do. He doesn't need to do anything he doesn't want to. No, uh, you're as powerful as Marutoji. If it works for you personally, just do what do whatever you want. I, I'm still a bit disappointed for him that they, he they couldn't make it work with um, with Racing ninety two. I mean, I've got to say from a branding, uh, well, yeah, that is disappointing. I, I guess everyone has thoughts about it because, of course. If his image rights do rise in do rise uh, in popularity, he's not the only one that benefits from it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so you can't you that every angle of this deal has been scrutinized to the nth degree. It mustn't be worth it. Yeah, it it, it will be stopping definitely England money and um Lions money. And that's that's you, you can't do it. Uh, not just Lions money, but Lions opportunity. Well Lions captaincy. Yeah. Because Favourite, I don't know who is. It could be Owen Farrell. But... Uh, well, do you think he's got a captain England first? 
Who? Marrow? Or is it going to be like Paul O'Connell and Brian O'Driscoll? It could be like that situation, yeah. 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 I'd, I'd, me personally, I would probably make Marrow captain. He'd, he'd be pretty much the first name on the team sheet. Owen's the first name on the team sheet, right? Hang on, oh. Gatlin. So we don't know who the first name on the team sheet is. We don't. I, I imagine Owen will also be one of the first names on the team sheet. But um, Marrow definitely will be. It looks likely. Yeah, it looks very, very likely. Mm. Unless, of course, playing in the championship doesn't better any parsnips for Warren Gatland. Uh, possibly, but then he'll, he'll, he'll actually be they, fresh, fresher and fitter for England. Yeah, they I was going to say, England will probably see the best of him because his whole season will be, once they get, if, if the European Cup gets replayed, uh, sorry, gets resumed, he'll, he'll focus on that. And then, it, and bearing in mind what we said about um, potentially might have to go straight back-to-back seasons, which runs all the way through from August with a small break and then a whole season starting December, let's say. Actually, it's probably a good thing for the Lions and for England. It, it probably is that, that Mako, Billy, Jamie George, Marrow, Owen Farrell, that they're all just, just chill out a bit, guys. Play, play the games you need to in order to... Um, taper your fitness to be at peak for the England games and the Lions. I think there are so many minefields to this line of thinking. On the face of it, it sounds brilliant, doesn't it? It sounds so good that the best players England can put out right now, with the lads we've just listed, will be fit and fresh and firing. It sounds amazing. On the other hand, imagine if you're doing the hard yards in the Premiership week in, week out, and you're not getting that position because Owen's chilling out against bloody Isha somewhere. Uh, it sounds good on paper, but I don't think the reality is going to be ne- nearly as good. There'll be some guys who are having undeniable performances that can't get in the England team. That's going to be bad. Possibly, but I, I just think with, with those players in particular... Those guys, they've got enough they, credit in the bank. Exactly. They, they've got so much credit. There's so much game tape on all of those, and they're all in their prime. Do you not think there's going to be resentment, though? I, I, wouldn't have th- I wouldn't have thought so. I don't think so for those guys. No, no, those guys aren't going to... Re- aren't no, no. Going to- no, 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 there's not going to be... You're not going to... There's, there's no player, however good... Uh, like, like Joe Simmons, for example, isn't going, to, isn't going to carry on playing amazingly well and think he's been cheated out of a position in the England squad if Owen yeah. Farrell starts. I know people well. I don't mean him well, but you know, people in general. And I'm just thinking about, you know, for instance, my two current pod, um, podcasts, podcast, co- sorry, let me try again, pod, uh, 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 podcast mates. And both of you guys in this situation would be furious and extremely competitive if you were playing week in, week out and you weren't getting in, getting in the side. You'd be furious. If you thought you were better. But then... How genuinely? How many locks in the in the world at the moment think they are genuinely better than Mario Toji? How many number eights in England think they're better than Billy? I would say quite a few. If they were winning the Premiership, they would back themselves. They they all back themselves. They all back themselves and they back their team. But there's um there's a fine line between uh, confidence and delusion. Well, here's what I'll say: any player that genuinely should be battling for one of those shirts that Elliot Daly or Owen Farrell or Jamie George or Maru Itoji might take in an England side. Any player playing well enough 
that they might actually challenge for that jersey will get into an England squad, at which point Eddie Jones will have a good look at them. And it's not in Eddie Jones's interest to pick a favourite because he needs to win games. And that's what he's there to do. Yeah, and on, on Elliot Daly, I, I wouldn't class him, him in the same category as Maro, Mako, Billy um, and Owen. And even potentially Jamie George is not as secure as those others. Well, it's interesting because I didn't, I didn't mention Mako because I don't think he's as secure as those others anymore. Yeah, maybe you're right on, on Mako. And may, maybe even Billy. But Billy, the big question mark is how fit is he? Because when he's fit, he is brilliant. And there, there is no one in England who does yeah. what Billy does when he's fit. Yeah, so we're already questioning them now. You know, after a year of not seeing them, outside, out of mind, if Exeter go on to win the European Cup next year, or, oh God, who would be the other teams that are... England going to have a bad European Cup ne- next year, you've got to think. Yeah. Not looking and great. It, and uh, I am actually, like, looking at this from a league perspective, um, it's a bit probably concerning for England, because England have been very successful... England as a whole in the European Cup um, for the last few years, primarily because of Saracens, when Saracens, we now know, were operating outside of the salary cap for an extended period. Mm. If everyone does legitimately operate within the salary cap, and not just within the salary cap, but within a 20% reduced salary cap, how competitive are they actually going to be against Leinster and against Toulouse and against Racing and Claremont? I'm not so sure. Might be a few barren years for English rugby in terms of European Cup wins. Possibly. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Very. Right, I think we've spoken enough. Any other uh, business? Uh, oh, I started a new job. Congratulations. Do you want to do any plugs? No, no, I would never uh, plug uh, the IFA practice, Beardmore & Co., uh, which, I've, which I've just just moved to. As the name implies, uh, it does involve me. Uh, but yeah, after seven very happy years, you've just uh, moved to a company and just and already taken over enough that your name is front and centre. <laughs> what? How have you managed this? <laughs> Great question. Um, I wrote something any any more than that. But, Man uh, of influence. That's what you need to know. Man of influence. Beard, Beardmore and Co. Independent Financial Advisors. Chartered Chartered Financial Planning Practice. Uh, so yeah, after seven good years in Oldham, I've uh, decided to relocate, which is great. It's exactly. Exactly what you should do during a pandemic, right, lads? Need you? Definitely. Definitely. 100%. If you're worried, worried about job stability, you might as well quit and start a new one. <laughs> well, yes. on, on the flip side, there are, there are opportunities everywhere for the people that approach any given situation in the right mindset. Same as, and I just, just to sort of have, have a, a positive spin on maybe the little ranty bit earlier, if, if you, you're listening and you really, really care about rugby's influence on society, there are rugby clubs up and down the land that would love your help. There are communities that would love your help. There's, uh, th- there's ideas. I sometimes um, think about little ideas. And I, n- now I've said it out loud, we need to get rugby into state schools. That might be a drum I start beating because um, I don't want to be one of those people that just stands and moans about stuff. I, I love the game so much, I want to change. So. Well, you know, I saw something weird today. I don't know why it was the case. But I went to a local rugby club, not the not the wonderful Talk H, Manchester's greatest club, but a different one. And um, I went to fly. I went to fly a kite um, with with my daughter, and I looked at 
the rugby runners are and the council had mowed <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if it's like the council being arseholes or if there's a good pitch reason for doing this but they'd mowed all the way around the playing fields except for the rugby, except for the rugby pitches they'd literally mowed the outline it's like the inverse of what you should have done <laughs> it might be because they reseeded them and so they're no. in completely overgrown with different bits of grass and thistles and, and whatnot. Do, do do most do rugby clubs maintain their own fit that's what uh, own pitches that's what i'm thinking i'm wondering if like maybe the club i i, I don't know i don't know i'm sure there's i'm sure there's grounds grounds out there well it's a bit weird either it's been neglected or maybe they just want it in in, in, in that way or they might use a different gauge mower on the pitches to the generic walking areas. So they might yeah. have done one day's job was to do all the outside stuff and then they bring back the next gauge down and redo wow. the pitches. Yeah. Very um Talk H's pitches are manicured, basically like uh, the US open screens. I mean that, that <laughs> that's what Talk H looks like in the moment. Uh, I've, in my in my back garden, I've ditched lawns. We've got artificial, and I'm all over it. So I'm in favour. I, I I like four. I don't mind four G pitches. I love four G back gardens. Three <laughs> G or four G? Four G is the rubber crumb stuff. Is as long it? as it, as long as it's not five G, because that's that's what causes <laughs> coronavirus, right? <laughs> that is exactly right. We don't want any more of that. <laughs> good God, we covered some ground today. That's good. Yes, indeed. Okay, let's wrap this up. It actually felt like, you know, people talk, it feels like the world's getting back to kind of tiptoeing towards normal. It felt like, that felt like the, almost like the most normal podcast. There were loads to talk about. We had a little rant and got upset. And, uh, <laughs> and then we moved on. And, and we also had rugby to talk about. Us, um, we, we're tiptoeing towards normal. Uh, hit subscribe. Hit subscribe. Tell your mates. And, um, and yeah, and keep your ears and eyes peeled. We'll give you all the information as soon as we get it very soon about the watch along on the World Rugby YouTube channel. JB, have a lovely week. You, uh, you too. Phil, have a top week. Thank you, Tim. You too. Let the boys play. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.